I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science If you changed. count the legal votes, I we easily agree. win. Go for a short it is time to get bricks This candle smells like my vagina. It's supposed to be I shouldn't be up here. What I should be back in the school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Part of the Acast Creator Network. Also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Still. Welcome to my podcast, where this week it's a special 32-page Let's Make Everybody Terrified World War Three edition in which I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Who'd have thought we'd look back on 2021 as the good old days? This week, Russia invaded Ukraine. And one by one, British ministers made stern speeches that went, we will be strong and ruthless against Putin and the evil Russian money. Which sounds convincing, because over the last few years, we've been really strict with his oligarchs. To start with, we've allowed them to buy half the property in London, which must have caused them an absolute nightmare in getting surveys done and arranging removal vans. And maybe next week, we'll get even more serious and announce that when an oligarch buys a riverside apartment, they have to wait an extra day before receiving their parking permit. One of them, Lubov Chernukin, donated £700,000 to the Conservative Party and had a game of tennis with Boris Johnson. And I suppose now that we're being even tougher with oligarchs, if she plays another game, Boris will hit the ball really hard. Minister James Cleverly said the Russians who donated to the Conservatives were fleeing Putin. Maybe this is why the sanctions they announced will only affect five Russian banks and three Russian oligarchs. All the others are fleeing Putin. For example, Roman Abramovich, the Russian billionaire who bought Chelsea, is hiding in fear from Putin. Luckily, he's found an excellent place to hide, which is the director's box at Stamford Bridge, where I expect he's writing a diary like Anne Frank. And this will include harrowing sections such as I hear knock at door. My heart races. Is this Putin's agents? I am lucky. It is goalkeeper, happy as we have beat Barcelona. In the years after Putin's agents poisoned opposition activist Alexander Litvinenko, the Conservative Party received £3 million in donations from wealthy Russians, and I suppose their strategy was to take their money until the Russians had none left to spend on poison. Theresa May rejected setting up an inquiry to find out who did the poisoning and later she explained that this was because they didn't want to upset relations with Russia. Maybe that was different from now because back then the Russian government were kind and thoughtful murderers. When they were poisoning, they used one of Nigella's recipes, saying, Hmm, today we're going to make my favourite, Novichok Delight, ooh. Well, we're going to need some grapefruit and a hint of fennel and just a spoonful of deadly Novichok nerve agent. Mmm. And it probably only went wrong when Russian TV started a programme called The Great Russian Poison Off. Six eager contestants were given 30 minutes to impress the kidnapped judges from the opposition to Putin, watched by a couple of other experts who used to work for the KGB. And the judge would say, This has collapsed in the middle and has a soggy bottom, but I can feel nervous system start to shut down. And it was only then that Russia started to get nasty. 
And when the Russians were caught cheating in sporting events on a massive scale, the West was so keen on being friendly with them, the Olympic Committee allowed them to keep competing as long as they were called the ROC, the Russian Olympic Committee, rather than Russia. And maybe that's how this will be resolved now. We'll allow them to control Ukraine as long as they call themselves the Russian Invasion Committee. This tough stance must also be why this government has worked so hard in stopping inflatable boats crossing the channel. Some of those refugees might be oligarchs from Russia and it's essential that we keep them out. But somehow they keep sneaking in by private jet and getting dual nationality and putting millions of rubles in our banks and donating to the Conservative Party, the wily rascals. But now we can relax that we're in safe hands, such as Defence Secretary Ben Wallace who said... We kicked the backside of the Russians in 1853 in Crimea. We can do it again. That's the plan, is it? Maybe Ben will go out there himself to kick their backside like we did in 1853. He can take Jacob Rees-Mogg, who will tell us he's already cleaned his musket and he'll float over Kiev in a hot air balloon, firing at any Russian that he doesn't recognise. And at this critical moment... This is who we've got in charge. It would be more reassuring if a BBC announcer said, And now to hear the latest on the alarming events in Ukraine, we're going live to hear a statement from Bez, the dancer from the Happy Mondays. And then he would explain the strategy was, Right, yeah, oh, blimey, you know, there's like tanks and everything. Oh, it's like really heavy. In any case, as soon as Boris Johnson said he'd be tough on Putin, it was certain that in 18 months we'll see photos of Putin on the night of the invasion having a beer with Liz Truss and Boris Johnson in the garden at 10 Downing Street. But now we're hitting them where it hurts. We're taking away the Champions League final. And I imagine that's at least some comfort if you're huddled in a metro station in Kiev, clinging to your loved ones, and there's an announcement over the tannoy. At last, we do have some good news. And they'll all go, maybe NATO are sending troops. Russia has been banned from Eurovision Song Contest. Now, we're very proud on this podcast that one of our regular contributors was in the news this week because it was noted that George Galloway had put out this tweet on February the 14th. And um, I'll do it in my own voice because I've tried to do the impression. I can't really do it. Uh, he said, You all said Russia was about to invade Ukraine. I told you it wasn't. You were wrong. I was right. Again. Show some bloody humility. And you can understand why George is quite emotional there. We're very pleased to have George with us this week, once again, to give us some more of his expert opinions on the war. Let me put it to you, the Ukraine. Your temerity to exist in the vicinity of the Russian motherland has rightly been denounced by Vladimir Putin as a declaration of war. History will condemn you for your decision to sully the Eurovision Song Contest by awarding a paltry three points to Russia's entry, I won't break, having received ten points for your Ukrainian dirge under the ladder. It is evidentiary that you have succeeded in provoking Mr Putin 
the most humble, self-effacing human being ever to bless the earth. Indeed, if Mr. Putin has a fault, it is that he is too timid for his own good. So enthusiastic for peace is he that he will selflessly invade another country in order to enforce it. His impeccable peck implants are an inspiration to us all while his radiant luminosity glistens from the glorious troll farms in the Euros to the indomitable Bitcoin factories of Siberia. That, the Ukraine, if that is indeed your real name, is why I shall bravely confront you by broadcasting from my Russia Today studio somewhere in London, which sometimes involves a journey of two buses. What the fuck is going on? I have been so, so lucky over the last 30 weeks or so to have a variety of people that have helped to find out what the fuck is going on in this world. And they've enlightened all of us, I think, it's fair to say. But I'm never so honoured as to have with me today the perfect man to illuminate us on this question. Mr. Scroobius Pip, sir, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure. Do we still call you a rapper or a poet? What are you these days? I've moved fully into acting and obviously a bit of podcasting as well now, but I let people choose what they call me. I gave myself a stupid name to start with, so I can't start being picky about how you address me, so go for whatever you want. Yeah, well, no, Scroobius Pip, it is a little bit equivocal. It's not like you've called yourself MC Words with the rapid flow or something that could only be a very bad rapper. I must yeah. ask you, before we, we start, just a personal thing, uh, on You Will See Me, Yes. And it starts, as I'm sure you know, because it's you, going, you are my muse. I don't mean that as a compliment. Yeah. That is as chilling a piece of music. I think that could... Can you do that to me? Because that thrills me. (laughs) It's like Um, The Godfather. It's like Al Pacino in The Godfather. It's that opening bit, isn't it? That you are my inspiration, my muse, and I don't mean that as a compliment. I mean, it seems fitting with the times because it starts off as a heartbroken teenager kind of angsty motivation and then turns into a kind of I will wipe the world clean with hellfire. Yes, you're very angry. And I think think in the end, you're really pretty much on... I think the day of judgment comes a poor second in terms of destruction compared to what you're you're promising. Yeah, yeah. My collaborator on that, Dan Lassac, was typically annoyed because he heard the first verse was like this is the ultimate breakup song this is going to be our hit and then the second verse i'm like i will wipe out the whole like oh you've you've yeah. gone pip on us again <laughs> you, you've ruined it this is now completely uncommercial maybe the book of revelation started like that maybe the book <laughs> of revelation just started with the prophets writing it i'm just really upset i've been yeah. bloody walking backwards and forwards to galilee to see this bloody woman and then she's just dumped me and i'm writing about it, and it ended up with bloody locusts and horsemen yeah. and snakes running hell. Typical heartbroken man. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're probably, oh no, they've just misinterpreted it. Yeah. So, should ask this really, uh, are you a fan of Putin? Mate, 
as this week has been building up, knowing I'm coming on, I thought I've chosen the worst week to come on and have a light-hearted sideways look at the news. Jesus, this week on Mock the Bleak, I always thought Putin was a Canadian side dish. <laughs> it's, it's there grim, will be programs right? where they do that. I know, yeah, I know, yeah. but it's like, how can you... Uh, like, I'm a fan of an inappropriate meme and all that kind of thing, and I've seen loads this week, and it's like... I can't find humour in this horrible, horrible situation. It's terrible, right? They'll be joking about it, though, won't they? They will be joking down in the Kiev West yeah. underground. They'll be down there, probably be doing... It's no different from normal. We've been here three hours without a train or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To answer your initial question, I'm not a fan of Putin. <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> Let's just I would have been very surprised if you were. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> It's bleak, isn't it? I keep coming back to it, but it's bleak out there. It's a tough time. It is bleak, but we mustn't let that get in the way of a humorous chat about the situation. Of course, of course. We've got to have our priorities here. I tell, the terrible thing, terrible thing with yeah. comics, I think even if a group of comics were together, as they were being invaded, they would be desperately trying to come up with the joke if we knew the nuclear bomb was about to land on us yeah all comics would be thinking i want to be the one that makes the joke in the last five minutes of our lives mate i've genuinely in my lyric writing <laughs> and spoken word and poetry days i've genuinely had crushing heartbreak and i've been going to bed kind of in tears or whatever and just before i fall asleep i thought I'm going to get a good few songs out of this. I'll probably get a whole album out of this. And kind of, it just, it switches to that monetizing or or at least commodifying of your grief and misery. You go, oh this, oh, this could be interesting. Yes, but do you get that? Because comics do get this. When something awful does happen and some people go, oh, well, you'll get some material out of it. Do you get that? Yeah, yeah, completely. But it's always been an interesting one for me, particularly in, in my lyric writing days, I never really wrote true stories. I made up a fiction based on true experiences and true emotion because I always felt uncomfortable kind of going, oh, here's some stuff that happened to me because there's other characters involved, you know, who I don't want to have to go to and get, you know, authorization to, to, <laughs> yeah, to yeah, use yeah. their likeness in this story. So, yeah, but completely always that when there's world events or whatever else, it's particularly again with <laughs> if i was still writing poetry things like putin unusual sound there's yeah. going to be some really interesting rhymes in there and syllable matches and and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that so, so yeah it's handy whereas kalinsky fucking <laughs> yeah. useless what are you going to do with that you know people don't think about that when they're bloody painting everything blue and yellow and supporting no, ukraine exactly for christ's sake think of the artists yeah for just a second please <laughs> yeah come on <laughs> but you know, it's dismissed isn't it like art poetry music comedy or whatever is dismissed as unimportant in these more serious mm. times but in more serious times that's when all of those things become most prominent isn't it the most no? essential i mean we've seen it with the pandemic haven't we the kind of slashing of funding and support of all of the arts and then everyone sitting at home and watching netflix watching stand-up watching tv shows watching films all the arts to get us through yeah, yeah, our days yeah. and to yeah, get yeah. Us through these bleak times yes essential well there's service. the there's the famous oh you'll know this better than me but you'll be able to get this right but there's the famous isn't there a general isn't it on american television about 1970 a famous conversation between a general and an artist and right. the general says, what have you ever done to defend this country? And the artist says, I've made it worth defending. 
Yeah, it's perfect, isn't Which it? Which is very perfect. Now, but there is a bit of me that thinks, oh, fucking pompous twat. But I do, <laughs> I think the artist is right. It's that constant conflict of the arts of being, <laughs> I truly believe in this, and also constantly also going, oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shut yeah. up, you tart. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I remember the, the one year I did the Fringe, I was really advised to have a day off each week. And I was like, a day off, mate? I'm doing an hour's work each night. Every day's a day off. I then did 29 shows in a row and almost broke myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's far more than that one hour a night. But yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the working class part of me, when I was booking, it was like, have a laugh. Yeah. Come on. Day <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? Every day's a day off. Now, here's a couple of things that are not to do with... Vladimir Putin. Oh, delighted. So, the student loans. Now, I'm from a generation when I was amazed when they came. Not that they made any difference to me because I left school at 15. But the student loans were brought in and they've got sort of systematically harsher as time's gone mm. on until it ended up famously with the Nick Clegg time, £9,000 a year. But you, you're, they're written off after 30 years. And this week, they slipped this out. Now it's going to be after... 40 years. So if you take out a student loan, presumably you come out of university at the age of, what, 23, probably? Mm. Now, you have to keep paying it till you're 63. Yeah, it's madness, isn't it? It just does my head in. We've It's embarrassing. We've got such a long way to go for the great in Great Britain to sound anything other than sarcastic at this stage. It's mm. ludicrous. I dropped out of uni because of the student loans. I did my first year at Wolverhampton doing... F- photography and I haven't got a family who's like I don't come from money so I was having every loan and any grant I could get and any backup and that first year watching the debt I was getting into just made me feel like it was I wasn't comfortable with it I've also been brought up to not live on credit cards and debt and whatever else so I did a year and then went no mate I can't do this I can't do two more years and come out tens of thousands of pounds in debt not knowing if I'll ever, again, not knowing if I'll ever earn or have the kind of earnings that'll ever pay it off in any reasonable time. So it's horrible. It's like so many things in the modern times. People arguing in favour frame it as, well, someone's got to pay for it. But the reality is we're saying that these things are only for the wealthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's grim. It's like bail bonds in America. It's a wealth tax. If you're poor, you will stay in prison until we decide if you're guilty. If you're rich, go about your day. And we'll get back to you and let you know. How does a bail bond work? It's, it's literally that. You get arrested and if you can pay enough, then you can go out until your trial. If you can't, then you are imprisoned until your trial. So that's until they find out if you're guilty. And again, it's it's crazy. And and again, if you're, oh, if you're proved cool. innocent, you, you get that money back. It's, it's basically a deposit. And it's a similar thing here. University, in many ways, will help calibrate your potential and enhance that and push that and we're saying well you only get to find out if you could be great as such if you can pay enough and you could find out that you're not going to be it's, it's not really within you to earn uh, this large amount so you'll just get into debt and yeah I, I truly believe we should be valuing a country on its people its achievements its happiness its art and all these other things rather than just the gdp or whatever else will go oh how wealthy are we how much money have we made during a fucking global pandemic how have we come out of that it's horrible yeah they've made a lot of money out of the global pandemic yeah, the, the people right, who, make, who make things that didn't work 
Yeah. Because they lived yeah. over the road from a minister, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, as I've told you before, after dropping out of uni, because I couldn't afford it, back in my early touring days, I would have the, the tape cassette box set of your lectures, and it was my, oh, right. it was my education. So I'm going to have to find an education somewhere cheaper. So so, so you were, were one of the ports of call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I, you do actually owe me uh, £3,000 a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until you're 63. <laughs> now, I want to talk to you just uh, just a little bit about hip-hop because this is so I've been fascinated being with foreign language hip-hop mm-hmm. for quite a long time. And for a while, everywhere I went, if I ever travelled anywhere abroad or even if someone I knew was going to a country that I hadn't done this for, I would get them to get a local hip-hop thing in a language. I've got like a collection... <laughs> home of Finnish hip hop. I've got some Icelandic hip hop. That's brilliant. I love it. There's some amazing f- France and Germany have both got huge hip hop. Well, kind France of especially. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Love it. But load. There's loads of this stuff. I've got some Welsh hip hop that is even though I speak not a word of Welsh, I can tell it is utterly terrible. Brilliant. There's there's a rapper I had to support me on tour once purely because I'd seen him online, and he's from Middlesbrough. And I just adored the Middlesbrough accent in oh, right. in rhyme and in rap. I'd never heard it before. Right, so, right, right. Particularly in the UK accent, for yeah. a long time, so many rappers would put on an American accent. Yeah, yeah, In, yeah, in yeah. rap, in singing, in all sorts of things. So you kind of had the streets bring in that brummy sound, but I'd never really heard a Middlesbrough, a, a North East accent rapping, and it just flowed so wonderfully. A guy named Brilliant. Gister. It was yeah, he was great. Oh, all right, yeah, he is great. Well, because I think the I think the reason for it is it's, is it's just the simplest form of music if you just want to talk about your yeah. life in whatever way. I'm all for jazz and stuff yeah. like that, yeah. But it goes through various forms, doesn't yeah. it? To yeah. express yeah. yourself through jazz is quite a complex thing to work out what is that person trying to express there. Yeah. But in hip hop, you can just go, "I've had a shit day," so your song is called "I've had a shit day." Yeah. <laughs> And that can work in any language, and that mixed with the sort of local beat as well, whether it's you know an Iranian beat or a you know, Senegalese beat or whatever, or a Middlesbrough beat, which I'm not sure yeah. what that would be. That would probably be a big clunking of a of a shipyard or something. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's what it shares with comedy is the ability to immediately react to things. Is yeah, why yeah, it yeah. can be so powerful when there's big things going on, when all the horrible stuff was happening in America or being publicised more in America with George Floyd and all sorts of other things, there were some rap tracks that came out that were amazingly important and powerful and moving. And there was also some great, you know, monologues on the American Saturday night TV shows or stand-up things that really, you know, the art forms share that ability to immediately comment on this, to go... Even if it is simply, it could be, I've had a bad day, you're going to hear about it, or I've had a life of complete injustice and you're going to yeah, fucking yeah, hear yeah. about it. And I love that about both art forms. Yes. Uh, you're, you're, um, what was, so would, uh, Thou Shalt Always Kill is probably your most celebrated song. It was, it? it was certainly the one that, it was the first song that me and Dan Lasak ever wrote together. And I wrote it in the running time of the film The 40 Year Old Virgin, because Dan s- sent me the beat. And um, oh, right. he put a film on, and by the time it finished, as soon as it finished, he got an email <laughs> notification. I'd recorded it in my mum's room. It was a spoken word piece I'd been using on wow. on my live shows, but it was always a fluid one, if you know what I mean. Like the line in there about "Thou shall not leave an open mic as soon as you've done your shitty little poem or song, you self-righteous yeah. prick." That came about because of an open mic set I was at, where this posh lad 
was nagging the guy who ran the night, Nilo Sullivan. He was nagging him for ages <laughs> to to get up, and then he got up and he was like, "This is." my own translation of a Latin poem and he did it and then literally walked <laughs> off stage and out the door. So I added that line there and he got the biggest reaction because everyone in the room was clearly like, fuck that guy. So it was a really, it was a handy poem to be able to go, oh, I can just add to this either with what's happened in the news that week or literally what's happened in the room that evening. But yeah, so I had it as kind of a, a structure and then Dan sent this beat and I added the whole Just A Band bit and yeah, recorded it in my bedroom at my mum's house and emailed it back in whatever the running time is for the 40-year-old virgin. So, And then it got in the charts, you know. Well, that's one of the many things I love about that track is that it does sound like when you, particularly that line, you yeah. self-righteous prick, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, right, you've written that because you have yeah. sat and watched some bloke leaving an open mic night. Yeah, you and again, it, it, prick. it's also got that feel of, a complete lack of awareness that anyone was ever going to hear this on a large scale. Having lines like, thou shall not go into the woods with your boyfriend's best friend, take drugs and cheat on him. It's like, that's incredibly niche and yes. <laughs> very specific yeah, yeah. to my lived yeah. experience. It's like, no one's going to be hearing that again. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> and just about, just about, yeah, that's very powerful, really. With it. I don't know if you realise when you write, but all running through all the yeah. iconic bands. They are just a band. Oh, that was it. I'd sat there thinking about <laughs> Christmas at Tom York's house. <laughs> and I was thinking about, like, his mum asking him to pass the spuds and his brother, like, <laughs> nudging him because he's he's used too much gravy or whatever. They're all just humans and just bands. It's like, you make this amazing thing of Radiohead and things like that. And that was the point of that bit to go, oh, they're all just... They're all just blokes and, and ladies. I have become a fan of Radiohead. I never used to be. Yeah. But... I am still a long way from wanting to have Christmas at Tom York's house. <laughs> I'd love to watch. Yes, maybe. Oh, God. I've, what, where's the stuff in? He's, oh, he's self-arming. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And, no, what, no, where can we see you and hear you and uh, all the other ways we can? My Distraction Pieces podcast is out every Wednesday. I need to have you on at some point, mate. I've had everyone on from Louis Theroux, who's been on here, John Ronson, who's been on here, a lot of a lot of great people. So, yeah, that's out every Wednesday. And I'm on social media. I'm in films and stuff, but go on IMDb. Scroobius Pip. It's an absolute and utter delight to have you with us, sir. It's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for uh, enlightening us. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? With all the talk of Russian donations flooding into the Conservative Party this week, we're very lucky to get this interview from a Tory backbench MP who explained the situation. Look, as the Prime Minister has already made clear, oligarchs in London will have nowhere to hide. But I, I think also it's important to stress that we aren't oligarchist. It's not all oligarchs. This Conservative Party stands firm against oligarchophobia. Some oligarchs are lovely people. I mean, some, some of my best friends are oligarchs, you know, and they regard Britain as a second home for their money. And look, as for receiving Russian donations, just because the money has funny symbols on the coins and notes, how are we supposed to know if that's Russian? I don't speak Russian. It would be xenophobic of me to assume that it is Russian. I mean, Tory donors I met with who might have had a Russian accent. You know, I personally, I don't see Russian. I'm Russian blind. And also, I don't speak Russian. So these people I met with could have been Ukrainian donors, for all I know. 
But but also, I, I do want to stress we are cracking down. Liz Truss is no longer going to play badminton with Lubov. And Liz was getting some really nice photos of them playing it. So that that is a sacrifice. The Prime Minister isn't going to watch the Champions League with Abramovich anymore. And it's not just the Tory party doing their bit. Tracy Emin demanded Lebvedev give her her painting back. So... So it is my proud and noble duty to inform you podcastees that what the fuck is going on is now on Patreon, which means you have the marvellous opportunity for £4 a month becoming an official supporter of the podcast. That means a whole multitude of things. You will receive an ad-free version of the podcast every week and there will be all sorts of extra bits, lengthy interviews as well as starting from this week there will be an extra Mike Concrete interview, the very sensitive talk show host that we're lucky to have with us. He will be doing one of his interviews just for the Patreon subscribers. Uh, All manner of other things. We're shortly going to be doing lots of uh, longer interviews as well sort of 30, 40 minute interviews with other people that will be for Patreon subscribers. And at some point in the not very distant future, in the next few months, we'll be doing some live shows and you'll get the first chance to buy tickets for that and at a discounted price uh, as well. All of that, of course, subject to whether the world and the human race continues to exist, which I, I accept is in the balance. And most of all, you will be an early subscriber, an early supporter to the What The Fuck Is Going On world, which, if it, which I think is fairly certain, is destined to become a massive cultural phenomenon, the sort of Elvis Presley of the 21st century, you will have been one of the very first people. You'll be like someone who bought the very first Stones album when it first came out and nobody knew who they were in 1962, you'll be one of those people. Think how proud you will be for the rest of your life. What the fuck is going on Patreon? £4 a month. Now, we have had some delightful messages from lots of our people who listen to the podcast. At Mark Ridley 62 asks this, The Queen has COVID and is restricted to light duties. As her main role is sitting in the back of a car and waving... What do her light duties consist of? It's an excellent point, Mark. I would imagine Nicholas Witcher will probably be pondering the same thing. And mate, I think Nicholas will probably... I hope he's listening to this and he follows Mark Ridley 62. And there will be a surprise intervention from Nicholas Witchell. With us is Nicholas Witchell, our royal correspondent. Nicholas, what do you think at the moment is the likelihood of the Queen returning to her duties following her little bout with COVID from which we all hope that she recovers very, very quickly? And Nicholas will say, I have to tell you, Hugh, that I have no idea what she fucking does in the first place. I've been following her for years and years and years, and when she's doing her light duties, she's doing exactly the same as she is during her heavy duties. Her heavy duty, she's hardly a fucking docker, is she? At the best of bloody times. Also, there were rumours today from Hollywood, from a reporter in Hollywood, that the Queen is dead, which uh, I think we can all say from lots of different angles, we're very glad that that isn't the case. I suspect what happened is that someone from Hollywood Reporter went into a record shop and said, look, it says it on this Smiths album and reported it as the news. Uh, So Daniel Watson at Follow the Light says, it was in the news yesterday that we've all been pronouncing 
Lindsay Lohan's name incorrectly. All of us. We've all been doing it. It's Lindsay Lohan. She's reported that it, on TikTok that it's Lindsay Lohan and not Lindsay Lohan. I would have thought it is Lindsay Lohan. Who's been saying Lindsay Lohan? I'm actually on Lindsay Lohan's side here, no more I think about it. Right, uh, Cecilia Boyd on Instagram has sent a, a very nice message. I'm very proud of this because it means people listen abroad and I'm old enough to be, just be impressed that anyone is abroad. If someone says, oh, I heard your programme and I live in Dublin, I think, oh my God, that's amazing. Cecilia Boyd has written to say that she heard me talking to Elliot, my son, who I bred so that I could find out what the fuck is going on with the younger generation. And... She heard him talking about participation medals in school for everyone who takes part. And she was absolutely appalled by this because it came from America. She's American herself and now lives in Spain. So thank you very, very much for that, Cecilia. For uh, Well, yeah, partly for your comment, but also just for saying I'm listening in Spain and I come from America. Thank you very much then for all of you who've written in and who are listening and have signed up for Patreon. And thank you particularly to, talking of people listening from abroad, the 136 people who at some point over the last 30 weeks have downloaded this podcast from the Ukraine. I very much hope that you're still able to do that. Might be a bit noisy out there at the moment, but luckily with podcasts you can go back and listen to any bits that you don't quite hear because there's been something rather loud in the background so i'm particularly proud of that and if you can get a message to us from ukraine then this week we will absolutely read that out that will be our little bit don't say we're not doing our bit maybe our little bit of inspiration will be what makes all the difference and changes the world forever you never know thank you very much what the fuck is going on it's often said that truth is the first casualty of war and that's why in the current situation we're very pleased to be able to share this interview with Tory MP Nadine Boris. Can I ask you about the situation in Ukraine? There have been calls for NATO to impose a no-fly zone. Obviously that would risk escalating the conflict. It's an extremely delicate situation. What do you think should be the government's next move? I reckon Boris should offer him out. Lamp him, spark him out. He could have Putin any day. I've seen his type down at the cat's whiskers, sat next to the fruity on their horse with their tops off, giving it all that. Are you saying the Prime Minister should be parachuted into the Kremlin? Why not? He goes around acting like he's cocker Russia. That Putin's a shit out. So why has Boris Johnson been on friendly terms with some of Mr Putin's close allies? What's it got to do with you? Who are your mates then? I've seen you down the highwayman drinking with Purple Aki. You're always slagging Boris off. I give him my undying loyalty. So how do you see the situation developing from here? i tell you what I reckon. That slag Carrie's going to leave him. She's a right gold digger. I wouldn't trust her as far as I could throw her. And if she shows her face round here, she'll find out just how far that is. She'll be the one hiding in Lime Street Underground while the sirens go off the shit house. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now, in these troubling, uncertain times when Europe stands at this crossroads, it is very, very important if you're going to try and work out what the fuck is going on to get the views of the youth. And that is why many years ago I bred someone who could enlighten me as to what 
might happen if ever a dominant country outrageously invaded a sovereign nation and this week it all became worthwhile Elliot Steele is with me now hello hello sir hello how are you well I'm all right Many people have been trying to put forward their views and get them heard and hope that someone somewhere listens, but few will have been as successful as you were this week. Yeah, I, uh, I've really profited off this horrific situation. <laughs> well, that's the main thing. Well, you know, I think it's what Ukraine would have wanted. Okay, so what is it that you enlighten the world with? I suggested the Queen yeah. sort of suicide bombs Vladimir Putin. Okay, and that was on TikTok, was it? Yeah. Right, so you get her to meet Vladimir Putin. Yeah. So he'd agree to that, maybe, as part of a... As part of a summit, and then she's, she just takes one for the team. <laughs> right. Okay, so a bit like uh, von Stauffenberg tried to do with Hitler in 1944. Yeah. But more successfully that, because obviously the technology's better now, isn't it? So she'd be she'd find it easier, I guess. She could have like one of those little buzzers, you know, that like people wear as a joke that shock you and they shake their hand, but this one detonates. <laughs> yeah. So how many people have watched this? Like a million. A million people have watched this in, in what, half a day? In a, day uh, in, or... a, in a few days, in a few days, yeah. Oh, okay. I've, uh... Have basically watched me commit high treason. <laughs> but yeah, you retweeted it, and then a lot of people on your Twitter started telling you to tell me off for making jokes. Yeah, I don't know if they thought that was going to work. <laughs> uh, they were very, very cross that they thought, and, I'm not, and I wasn't quite sure the angle at which they were cross. Uh, because some of them were... Co I don't know if they were complaining because they thought it was disrespectful to the Queen, which I don't think you were being, really, because you said that she would be revered. Yeah, she should go down a hero. Well, she's probably one of the million that's watched it. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad idea. I don't think she... I would, if, if the Queen's on TikTok... I'd more be Prince Andrew on TikTok, because there's a lot of young kids on there. <laughs> Unless he's seen it and showed it to her. I want the 12 million, otherwise I'm going to make this guy a star. <laughs> so a lot of... I don't know if they... I think if they thought it would be disrespectful to the Queen, there was a mix of them. Some of them thought that it was just not something... You really shouldn't make a joke about suicide bombing, which I, I don't agree with at all. <laughs> they have it hard enough. You know, comedy's got to punch up. You're upsetting... I know, it's suicide bombers. <laughs> I was going to kill myself tomorrow, but I look at this joke and now it upsets my mental health. Well, now you've given him an accent, so now you're racist. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that comes... All right, that's... Uh, oh, sorry, Susan. I've been looking at my career. It's been rather difficult since COVID. Uh, one has to uh, downgrade one's expectations financially, and I'd rather thought I'd take a look at suicide bombing. I did suggest that her last words were going to be Allah Akbar. Oh, right. That, which I think that's where a lot of the hate came from, which actually, in like the comments on my TikTok, created a nice bit of unity between royalists... So the kind of people who have Union Jacks as their picture and Muslims in like they joined in to hate me. It was like funny that like some people were complaining like, oh, how dare you say Allah Akbar, that's horrific. But, then, but you never know who might like it. You know, you might find Nigel Farage. I think at last the younger generation has come forward with a plan that would both restore respect to the royal family and would perform a tremendous 
military service. I don't think Nigel Farage is going to be a fan of my TikTok page at all. Okay. But do you understand TikTok at all? Do you even know what it no, is? No, I haven't got a clue. I just know that I got a load of people telling me. And then I don't really reply. If someone's rude to me on Twitter, I don't. There was someone who was... It was such gobbledygook. Oh, yeah. Was this a person accusing us of being part of a Jewish conspiracy? Oh, I think so, yes. This, there was a bit of that. That's all your all the hate you get, though, because, like... You're part Jewish. Yeah. So, like, some of your hate is like, listen here, you Jew fuck. But also yes. because you helped Jeremy Corbyn, the other part of the hate is, listen here, you Jew hating fuck. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. It, it really it's quite is... nice. <laughs> and it, do you know what they say about the BBC? When you're getting criticism from both sides, that means you're about right. And so I think that's when I'm getting criticism for being too Jewish and for being not Jewish enough, I think I've got my attitude towards Jewishness just about where it should be. Because the other thing with this, it proves, is that so your gener- you're still able to do something that shocks some people, whereas I, see, my generation, I, I came to terms with the fact that however much we might think, you know, comics of my generation, however much we might think that we're all edgy, we're Val Dunican. And you've not even heard of Val Dunican, have you? No, I don't know who that is. Val Dunican, his main claim to fame was he used to wear these jumpers, and people go, oh, I do like Val Dunican's jumpers. And then he had a song that was a big hit called Paddy McGinty's Goat. Jesus fucking Christ. Now, I I haven't listened to it for a long time. I don't think at any point in that song he strapped explosives to Paddy McGinty's Goat and took out two separate heads of state. Pussy. Right. Uh, thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Uh, I just want to promote, if you want to listen to the podcast where I... I say things more like that with uh, my good friend and comedian, Michael Odoale. It's uh, B-Tech Philosophers. It's also now on Spotify, as well as uh, Podbean and Apple. You'll be on Netflix by this time next week. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We are now available on Patreon, so if you would like to become a supporter and get ad-free versions and an extra Mike Concrete interview this week, please sign up to that, just £4 a month. If you have liked the podcast, please subscribe, rate it, and if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTFIsGoingOnPod and we will look at every message that is sent. What the Fuck Is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Scroobius Pip and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Rosie Holt. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinowicz and Pete Sinclair. With additional material from Rosie Holt. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced and edited by Scott and Matt at Podmonkey. What the Fuck Is Going On is a co-production between Podmonkey and Consec Industries. <laughs>